You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show, Friday the 24th of June, bright morning here in TW11, and the news today is that it appears that Frankie Dottori and John Gosden's working relationship is all but over. I've spoken to John Gosden this morning, he stopped short of confirming that, he did say however that he would be having a meeting with Frankie Dottori today to discuss their future, he was waiting till he had come back from a holiday in Sardinia and he said he hadn't really had time to discuss anything with him in the immediate aftermath of Ascot and any decisions he did take he wanted to do in person after which he would be making whatever decision he was going to make public. I have however had a chance to speak to Frankie Dottori's agent Peter Burrell and there seemed to be no doubt in his mind as to what the likely outcome of said meeting would be. You know the writing is firmly on the wall and I always think when relationships get to this point of strain sometimes everybody's better off just moving on so would you say would 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 you say pretty definitively in in your own mind that that we've come to the end of the road here and 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 that it's all it's all over yeah uh we're expecting the worst nick let's put it that way um, you know, obviously one always hopes that there may be some form of bridge back over and, you know, Frankie has no grudge or issue either. So it's not like there are any humps like that to get back over. So we'll just have to see. I'm so sorry not to be able to, to, to tell you, you know, it's, it's a crazy situation to be involved in. Well, I mean, I, as far as I'm, as far as I can tell from John Gosden, obviously he wants to wait until, until Frankie's back in the country and then he can he can maybe sit down and, and talk about it with him. He's waiting to get a phone call as well and hopefully between the two of them, I mean, goodness sake, they've known each other long enough now, haven't they, since the late 80s, you know? Um, what do you think uh, Frankie will, will do now? Um, well, regroup, Nick. Uh, he's riding in Istanbul on Sunday and he's got a ride at Newmarket on Saturday, I think, hasn't he? So... Just regroup. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people out there that won't be watching him sitting in a weighing room and only too happy to put him up on their horses. Do you think he's got an appetite to regroup and start riding for other people and kickstart kick, kick that? How much energy he's got yeah, yeah. into it. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's absolutely fired up. Um, and as we know, we've had several peaks and several troughs, and that's when he's at his most dangerous. And, you know, he'll come out fighting. He's, he's much tougher than people think. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about the situation in the round, Peter? You, you've been pretty close to the whole well, setup I've with... John yeah. for, for a very, very long time, and I, I just don't like to see any relationships upset in this way and you know if, if there is to be an ending i just wish it would be clean and then everybody can just walk through the room you know carry on speaking to each other and because there's no point having a row or a fallout if it's over it's over but 
obviously the finish of something is always a little messy, isn't it? Mm. Well, I suppose I suppose it is inevitably. Um, but as far as you're concerned, that that's it. It's it's over. Well, I, that's the way I'm looking at it, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if I were having a bet, I would say it's over. That's Peter Burrell there, Frankie Dottori's manager, commercial manager. Uh, I must stress, I've, I've spoken to John Gosden this morning, and he he has said that. No final decision has been has been made as yet. He he doesn't want to do that until he's had a chance to speak to Frankie Dottori face to face. And Frankie's been away on holiday this week in in Sardinia or visiting his family in Sardinia, I should say. So you can I think realistically expect that some sort of summit is going to take place today because both Frankie Dottori and John Gosden, John and Thady Gosden, have rides and runners respectively at Newmarket tomorrow, but it has been well publicised, uh, not as one. Lydia Hislop is with me and has been listening to that. It sounds as though one of the, the great partnerships, the great partnerships in, in modern-day flat racing has, has come to a, an end. Lydia, how does, how does that make you feel? I feel sad about it, don't you? Very. Um, it's um, particularly for it to end in in this kind of way. I, I'm sure there are strong feelings on both sides, as there would be at the end of any kind of association that is that runs so long and so deep as this. There will be, I, I suppose, buried hurts and and things like that that will probably bubble to the surface at times like this. Um, and I just think it's a it's a great shame. Um, I think it was obvious from the statements that. Uh, John Gosden uh, made, or rather the statement of not putting Frankie Dottori on his horses on Saturday, um, that, was a, that was a clear escalation or um, underlining of the um, comments, the critical comments he made uh, during Royal Ascot, pro-Stradivarius' defeat in the Ascot Gold Cup, and also the following day, and perhaps even tacitly at the weekend in France, um, and so th- this, from that direction, it, it could only have been going in one way. And now it seems from um, Frank Dottori's side of things, his representative acknowledging that it is over. And I feel, I feel very, very sad about it at this point. Obviously, we'll all get to the point where we can celebrate what they achieved together. But that seems some way off at the moment. Do you think that the difficulty in, in sort of getting this resolved with the, with the clarity that, that all parties want has been exacerbated by a, a, a personal relationship that goes back three decades, that it would actually be more straightforward if it was just a strictly business, strictly professional relationship. Do you think all those personal twists and turns and ups and downs and highs and lows ha- have meant that this is necessarily a bit more difficult than otherwise it might have been? Definitely. That's what I mean about buried hurts on on, on both sides. I mean, when you have a an association like this in such a high pressure environment where both of you are being scrutinized for your results and how well you deliver and to a large degree you are relying on the other person to do their part necessarily there will be highs and lows there will be ups and downs there'll be times when you feel that the other person hasn't quite lived up to what you wanted and vice versa um it, obviously it's much more public for a jockey isn't it because everybody sees that on a race course and so uh, inevitably that they tend to be the more scrutinized of of the two but over the course of time when you've been in such a high pressure role both people both parties i'm talking about necessarily there will be things that have happened water under the bridge 
and generally in a in a healthy partnership you're able to move on and clearly it is felt at the moment that this is not a healthy functioning partnership in the way that um, certainly John Gosden would have liked. Is it going to make life difficult for for John Gosden that this has happened smack bang in the middle of the season or not necessarily? I can't think that he could have taken this decision lightly. This must have been something that has been building for some time, if not many months, possibly even since last season. You know, when he, John Gosden often makes sort of um, uh, critical comments about, about Frankie de Torre's riding on occasion, you know, what was said last week was not unusual in terms of the, um, the comments. But it, what, but it lacked its... It lacked its play. It lacked the playfulness. Absolutely, the before, tone. The it? tone was different, wasn't it? The tone was very different, and it was prolonged, and it was very public. So, so that was that was very different. But um, you know, if you if you think back to to last season as well, we had sort of Aris being beaten in the in the Gold Cup then as well. Frankie de Tory blaming Dylan McGonagall, remember for for um, yeah. for what happened. That was a quite um, unpleasant, unfair little scene that didn't really reflect well on Franco Dottori at the time. And then there was pa- Palace Pier, wasn't there, when he was looking looking around and I think John Gosden said if he spent too much time looking over his shoulder, didn't he, on the same day? He did. Um, yeah, whether that would have made the difference between victory and defeat, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not quite so so convinced of that. But yes, there was a very uh, there was a public comment from from um, John Gosden there as well. But as you say, the the it, it, this must have been building for some time. This must have the support, at the very least, support of the majority, if not all of the owners at Clarehaven for the Gostons. I, I assume it has the support of, the, of his wider team. Um, it, it, this is not this has not just suddenly happened last week. It, it has the it has the feel of something that was the was a last straw last week, and perhaps the way that Frankie Dottori handled himself last week was the last straw rather than the actual ride itself. And that that prompted John Gosden to be more um, vituperative, more public than he might otherwise have, have, have preferred to have been. So yes, obviously it is an inconvenience in the middle of the season, but you know, he's, he's John Gosden. This is, this is uh, Claire Haven. He can command the best available at any stage and he knows that and we were talking about the balance of power weren't we between Mm. the two of them last week and um maybe John Gosden felt that Frankie Dottori had a bit too much going for him I mean you know Frankie Dottori in recent seasons has very much rationalized what he does as a rider hasn't he he has he has not traveled all around the country he's not riding a full book of rides at, at, at race courses each day and he did that to um extend the the um indian summer of his career i mean he's 51 years of age you know he, he he did that very consciously to make sure that at his age he could still stay at the top now has that become too extreme that the problem with that is if you are only turning up for you know the big rides you had better be 100 percent every every single time you turn up um, and that means 100% not just in how you ride, but in also in the wider responsibilities of being a jockey, because what you do and say is an extension of the stable. Even at Frankie Dottori's level, that remains true. And so um, has John Gosden, did John Gosden feel that um, sort of blaming the horse, blaming other people 
was something that he could no longer tolerate that that, that was sort of the, the accumulation of that was tipping over the edge and he took a step back and looked at what Frankie de Tori was bringing to the table and feeling that at the moment the balance had tipped too far in Frankie de Tori's direction perhaps that had something to do with it and also Frankie de Tori is the age he is he's 51 you know it, this partnership being over and I think we can agree it is it is very much over he is the one in the far more disadvantageous position he is the one who um you know can't carry on business as usual he will be in demand of course he will be um and he might be in demand worldwide um in the um, Indian summer of his career but the person who will be able to pick up and carry on straight away in just a normal way is John and Thady Gosden's operation so I mean I think it's I I think it's I think it's tremendously sad um, and particularly as it it, and it's going to keep on playing out for you know several days or weeks yet and uh, it can only be hoped that somehow the two of them can remember because I mean we're not talking very long ago when they were having an absolutely you know, fabulous time together. Frankie Dettori with a, a career best, season best bundle of Group One wins back in 2019. You know, John Gosden, obviously the the, the key part, the key part of that. Um, we're not talking very long ago when they were um, back enjoying a second glorious association with with each other, riding high with all these amazing horses. Enable, um, you know, Palace Pier, Stradivarius, obviously. Um, but um, and now we are quite quickly I would have said from Frankie de Tori's perspective suddenly he is um, disposable and there's going to be so much hurt wrapped up in this because it's been such a long and enduring and understanding relationship between the two of them from when Frankie de Tori was very young and John Gosden was much younger than this so it's been it's been it's been there for such a long time and um, I just hope that they can get to a position where they can see each other talk to each other and remember um, all the good things that they they did together, but uh, they're going to have to get over this um, this feeling, these feelings of hurt. I think, which are going to be dominant at the moment. The only way this could have ended well, I suppose, is if Frankie had simply retired um, yes. er- earlier, and yes. that then it would have been all on 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 his own terms, and it would have been a much more sort of satisfactory conclusion. But he is clearly a sportsman who believes that he's got more in him, more to give. He wants to compete. He wants to entertain, just as importantly. And I wonder, I wonder whether whether Pete Burrell's right. I wonder whether he has got uh, a little bit more more lead in the pencil and something to give somebody else. He said, when he's when he's like this, he's at his most dangerous. Did that resonate with you or, or yes. not? Yes, it did. Yeah, I mean, he, but, but both really. I mean, Frankie Dettori can be somebody who rides high on things going extremely well, and then he makes them go even better than you would possibly imagine. You know, that's why. He's so dangerous. That's why, you know, some bookmakers stop taking multiples on Frankie de Tori. He is so dangerous when he's riding high. However, I also um, take Peter Burrell's point about, um, about his resilience. I mean, there is no way that you could have come back from uh, such a high-profile split as the one that Frankie de Tori had with Godolphin. And I know he, he very much had the, the support and help of John Gosden, and I'm sure and they both recognise that. Um, you know, and then, and they will recognise that more strongly after they've got over this 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 period of hurt. But um, you know, that does need resilience to be able to come back and you know from having been an internationally renowned jockey with an internationally renowned job, and then being in the wilderness for a while, and then building yourself back up to the extent that he did. That does require resilience and and hard work. So it's it's a simplification to say that 
um, when people sort of portray him as being, you know, floating along in life. I just don't think that that, that is right at all. He's a very complex person as well, more complex maybe than the image that he created and was created for him, that he's been forced to live um, in and beside all of his life. I think that's right. I thought the, the film that he made, that the Nick Ryle and their, their production team made about Frankie Dottori was surprisingly good in that respect. I thought it captured his essence quite well. I totally agree. I mean, I, I came to that film expecting, you know, um, a, a racing production, <laughs> um, I, as I often do in terms of, you know, autobiographies, biographies and other such then, like. Then I wrote another, then I wrote another treble at Nottingham turn page. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. A massive snooze fest and just sort of, you know, significant, finding significance in things that weren't significant. This film was nothing like that at all. It was a, a film that absolutely stands up. If, if anyone listening hasn't watched it, I would urge them to do so because I thought it was really, really good. And it provided somebody who um, professionally I've known for, a very long time, you know, since the mid nineties, mm. it provided me with some, with lots of things that I didn't know or hadn't realized. And, uh, that kind of insight is unusual. So, I mean, I, at the start of this season, I um, said to Frankie Detroit how much genuinely, how much I'd, I'd, I'd enjoyed it. Cause I think he was also brave in being as honest as he was in that film. Um, and, and you know, they're, they're both, you know, comp- complex people, John Gosden and, and Frankie Detroit. And as I said, I think what we're seeing in public at the moment is just that um, one party and now both parties are are just feeling somewhat hurt and let down. Um, it is like a, it is to some degree like a, a long term marriage. It is. I mean, when you have a that kind of a professional association, as, as I said, and and there is that much you're relying on each other to that degree in the profession, professional sense. It is very much like a marriage, and this was um, a marriage that worked extremely well for both parties for such a long time and I'm very sad and I'm sure racing fans are generally are very sad and these two people in time will be very sad that it's come to an end but he, you, you he, do have he, to move on he can't he simply can't call it a day Frankie right now can he can't say well I've lost John Gosden's confidence as a as a as a top flight uh, rider therefore or as a top flight member of my team therefore I'm calling it a day he can't can he he's got to end what's been one of the great careers in the saddle and i, I don't yeah. say that lightly we're talking no. archer richards piggott territory really aren't we in, in terms i of definitely think we are i think i think people that people i mean i don't know whether familiarity of the racing public breeds, breeds contempt you know yes, i, I mean i'm talking right. about punters uh you know people who watch the, the, the sport very closely of all the great great jockeys we've 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 seen um mick canan john Mer- johnny Murta, um Ryan Moore, if currently riding, William Buick. I would, I would, I would say that when Frankie Vittori is at his best, he was better than all of them at their best. And I, 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 I feel awful <laughs> ranking brilliant riders of, 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 to that degree in, in this way. But I feel that at his absolute best, Frankie Vittori was a, a genius at conjuring situations making the difference that's the thing you know making the difference between victory and defeat where it, most times you know 99 times out of 100 this horse what it was how the race panned out would result in defeat and yet that one in a hundred frankie dettori on board in that kind of mood made that kind of difference and and for me and lots of these analysis will be perfect it will be sorry will be personal and other people will have a different view but for me that person 
is Frankie Dottori. And I'm, I'm not looking at Frankie Dottori day in, day out at the moment and thinking, well, that's an awful ride, that's an awful ride. And I think anybody who says it now is there's a little bit of after timing so i don't think with uh, you know pe- people you know do mess up even when they're at the height of their career now frankie story is not at the height of his career obviously but he is still an exceptional world-class rider with with something to offer and and no it wasn't a great ride on on, on stradivarius in, in the gold cup as it wasn't the previous year um saga really i mean i i you know i know john gosson thinks the horse should have won i'm i'm not convinced myself i mean the horse is 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 tricky and i think things didn't really pan out uh things panned out messily for a a tricky horse in the race and i don't think reach for the moon was good enough i think there might be have been some mistakes made on emily up john but there was a mitigating circumstance as well at the start so you know we're not talking about somebody where you can point and there and there and there and there can you so I, i think why why would he why would he sort of back off um, back off quietly and sort of go, yeah, no, you're right, Governor. I'm absolutely useless. I'm going to hang up my boots. Yeah, underestimate not his steel. That's I think that's that's the the theme that I'm 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 taking from from what we've just been saying. Well, that's right, isn't it? I mean, you know, you and I have both you know worked professionally with him for for a very long time. I mean, uh, it's ridiculous to imagine that there isn't a hell of a lot of steel to Frank Victoria, isn't it? The other, th- I think the mis the as you point out earlier, the misconception. Uh, of Frankie Dottorio is that is that he he floats along, and mm. that he, it's it's a bit like when Gower was was playing at his pomp, and and he used to get annoyed that people said that he didn't he didn't care about the job because he cared very deeply about it, but it was just the sort of insouciant image he gave off. Uh, the, the one thing the one thing that you really notice about Frankie Dottorio if you spend any time with him is how um, fastidious he is. It, there's 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 something there's there's something very precise and particular about him that runs kind of counter to the image of him as being you know, a, a man of wild highs and lows and all the cliches about his Latin temperament and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. I I think there are times when he can be um, a little bit a little bit starry, you know, a little bit thoughtless mm. about the the people around him, and maybe that's something that that people at Clarehaven have, have experienced. Um, maybe that, that and that doesn't help when when things start to get tricky um you know he, he's a he's a he's a fascinating person and i don't say that lightly um he's got many many aspects to him um the aspect and and there are um some uh, some negative things and there are some very very positive things um and he is complex and interesting and couldn't be further away from the perhaps one-dimensional image as I said, that was that that he has um, thrived from and thrived behind, but it was ca- kind of forced upon him very young and, and created for him. And he has had to, he's both embraced it and had to look at that the whole of his life. And it, you know, that must have been, that, that must have been quite difficult, even though it was also quite, I'm sure, lucrative and positive for him. You know, it, he's, it's, it's a, it's a complex story. And again, I think that the, the film um, did some justice to that. He was t- he was telling me a story last year about when he was sixteen and he was sent by Luca Kumani from I think he had to go from Carlisle to Hamilton. I can't repeat the story for <laughs> for, for legal and other reasons in its entirety, and I don't suppose it'll ever make it into the book or the film. But it, he was describing how he was he was in a car with I think Dandy Nichols, 
Lindsay Charnock Mark, <laughs> and Mark Birch. Or I, I'm already laughing got, at that. I know. If I've got the names wrong, I apologise, Frankie. But it, I, I was on the floor. I was on the floor <laughs> laughing. And you just suddenly, the realisation hit you how long he's been around it was and it it would the image of it was just insane and this the way that he was sort of blooded into the sport by these these veterans is the politest way i can put it Mm, mm. and i think you got a taste of that in the film as well and also a taste of his relationship when he was young with with john gosden that's quite interesting there's a couple of interesting scenes involving them both so um, yeah, as I said, if, if somebody hasn't watched it, I would, I would urge them to go and do so because it's actually a proper, proper film um, biop. Um, and then if we, if we think about John Gosden, um, he will also have on his mind the next generation because he obviously now has a joint licence with his son, Thady. Yeah, this, is, a, this is an wa- interesting angle to explore, isn't it? Yeah, he'll be wanting to make sure that when Thady has the license in his own right, which we assume, you know, inevitably moving towards, um, provided Thady wants to do it um, still, um, he'll want him to, when he starts off in his own name alone, uh, to be in the best possible situation that he can. And, you know, is he also looking ahead to that and thinking about, you know, what is the future for the next generation of this shard? Do you want to speculate as to who might be the next number one rider at Clarehaven, if indeed there is one. Yeah, I, I do want to speculate, and it's the latter statement that you said. I don't think there'll be one. Um, uh, that was my instant reaction to looking at the market that's been put up as the next next stable jockey. It's not, it's not really the thing. It's not John Gosden's thing, and such is the um, reputation, power, ability of, of that yard that they, don't, they can get the best available at any point. And... Um, They've, um, you know, they've got owners who have, you know, various, you know, retainers, uh, which they can, which they can, or associations rather that they can utilise. Um, and I, I don't think there will be a, a replacement stable jockey. I don't think you will be having a replacement retainer for Frankie Dettori. And, you know, good luck to anyone who does step into that shoes immediately. Now, other news, Lydia, during Royal Ascot, there was quite a lot going on behind the scenes that didn't get much airplay because obviously what we were enjoying on the track, there was an online conference in Westminster uh, pertaining to all matters gambling. What did we, what did we learn as we uh, wait and wait and wait and wait for the white paper? Yeah, that's a, a good point, isn't it? What, when is, are we going to see the white paper on the, on the gambling review? But this referred to matters that might appear in the white paper. And possibly the most notable thing was that Bridget Simmons, who is the chair of the Betting and Gaming Council, and also Andrew Lynham, who I think um, headed gambling regulation in Gibraltar for some time, they both pitched for IBAS, which is the Independent Betting Adjudication adjudication if I could even say it service to be the new gambling ombudsman if the white paper supports the concept of a gambling ombudsman Um, so they're arguing that it should be by extension an extension of what IBAS already does and not a statutory role Um, I would be against that I mean they're doing what their 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 job is which is lobbying for what is the best terms for um the bookmaking and betting industries um my view is that if there is an ombudsman and I would personally would welcome that I would advocate that that person should be entirely independent if you talk to um 
uh, lobby groups and, and uh, punter support groups, such as Justice for Punters, I know you've had Brian Chappell on here um, on this pod in the past, he would uh, suggest that IBAS is often slow in responding, that there's a lack of transparency, and that in terms of... Um, uh, some somebody who's making a complaint uh, about uh, something that has happened to them with a, a betting company, um, that they are don't, don't have access to the the kind of the full kind of information. Don't see the full picture as much as the the gambling companies themselves do. And you know the gambling commission should of course be overseeing that and making sure that it's a, a fair playing field. And perhaps most importantly, in terms of the independence element and and what this whole area is getting at, which is gambling addiction. I best as far as I know, have no experience of dealing with the addicted. And, you know, that has got to be, given that that's what this is all about, that has got to be front and centre. And I don't see where IBAS's qualifications are for that. So, you know, the, the, the track record um, isn't, uh, isn't brilliant. But most importantly, um, I think that the, the addiction point is the, is the one that carries. And so any ombudsman should be independent. Okay, Lydia, let's uh, transition and talk about the racing this weekend. Smallish field for the Irish Derby and a a very small representation from Bally Doyle, but a very powerful one. Yes, it's it's added a bit of spice, hasn't it? Tuesday being supplemented, uh, the winner of the Oaks uh, up against Emily Upjohn. Ryan Moore slipping more towards the inside and uh, using um, Tuesday's uh, tennis foot and, and speed horse that was able to be placed in, in a couple of guineas, but has now stretched out to, to a mile and a half. I think that's added a, a bit of extra spice to the race, but clearly uh, Westover will be looking, uh, Rafe Beckett and now with Colin Keane replacing Rob Hornby, they will be looking to avenge what people feel, which I, well, rightly was an unfortunate third when he should have been second in the, in the derby. Um, I would be worried about Westover, I have to say, on very fast ground, but I'm assuming that that won't be the case at the Curra. Yes, there is some rain around, isn't there? Uh, it's, it seems a little uncertain as to, as to what the ground is going to be, but I don't think it's going to be too quick. We spoke to David Manuizier on the pod earlier in the week. Uh, do you give his horse Lionel any sort of chance? He's totally unexposed, isn't he? I mean, the honest answer to that is I don't know. Um, he has taken a, a huge step forward to win the Cocktat at Goodwood, um, beating Aldous Huxley um, narrowly. Um, that was on, on very different ground. Um, again, very quick ground would be a complete unknown for that horse. Whether he's this level of horse, as, as David was himself saying, you know, we're going to ha- have some kind of clues to that. I got the feeling that uh, David sees him as a, a medium term project but he's just trying to find out whether he's an our horse as well I mean I think Pismadil for Donica O'Brien will run a lot better than he did um, at Epsom where he finished 12th I mean he totally failed to handle the track I mean total failure to handle the track on that occasion so I think the um, authority or superiority that Westover has over Pismadil um, is exaggerated by the fact that they met at Epsom and Joseph O'Brien has had a, a really notable time of things, particularly with state of rest. Hannibal Barker has only had one start for him since leaving Brian Meehan or being bought out of Brian Meehan's yard. And he did that quite tightly. He's, I know he's by Zophany, but he's, he's certainly bred to get a trip on the damn side of his pedigree. 
Yeah, he's uh, really closely related to Fledged, isn't isn't he? And um, the Fledged managed stayed stayed further than a mile and a half. So um, yeah, I I can see that. I mean, he's he's going to have to step up quite a bit. Uh, he was fourth in the Burton Futurity Trophy um, at Doncaster behind Lutzenberg at the end of back at the back end of last season for Brian Meehan. Since has come out and won that Group Three, um, the Gallinule at at the Curra. Um, I don't think he needed to upgrade particularly his two-year-old form in able to do that. He will need to upgrade his two-year-old form here. And what about the Northumberland plate tomorrow? Have you had a look at that? I have. Yes, I have. I think it's, I think it's very interesting indeed uh, with Trushan on 10 stone eight. Um, I, I think that there's some horses that ran pretty well at uh, Royal Ascot are going to do better. I mean, all right, Sunshine was stopped in his run a little bit in the Copper Horse and he stuck on for fourth. I don't, whether his run style is ideal for, the, for Newcastle, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Island Brave, who finished behind him and was coming back after a break in the same race at Royal Ascot, having raced in Dubai in the early part of the season. His mark has dropped a little bit. He's got Benoit de la Sayette on board. I think that horse might run quite well uh, at a big price. Um, but there was uh, another horse I was looking at. I'm going to ha- go for a bit of a flyer at the end of this show on a horse in, in, in this race. But it, I must say it is a bit of a flyer. And what about the pretty poly stakes on Sunday? Yes. OK, so, I mean, this is this is pretty fascinating, isn't it? Um, we've got above the curve for Joseph O'Brien, who comes here after having won the pre saint Allery Group 1 um, in May. Um, Paddy Toomey, who's obviously got um, representatives in the um, Irish Derby as well. He's um, represented by French Claim in that race, uh, the horse that finished third behind Stone Age at Leopardstown at the start of May. But he has also got a couple of entries here, in particular, La Petite Coco, um, who has done so well since joining the yard won four of her last five starts so she's going to be really interesting from a a sort of british based perspective the most fascinating horse is perhaps well there's two my astra who was so impressive when stepping up and winning by a wide margin only at listed level in the rothersey at air but she looked like a group horse in a a listed race she's really well related to my oberon etc and this is a, a huge step up to group one level but you know she's from william haggis's yard and so clearly that's the level that he thinks that she might be at and who's to argue and dream loper this season at the age of five for ed walker has proved better than ever there were signs of it at the back end of last season when she was third in the sun chariot um, behind saffron beach she then came out and won narrowly in the dahlia and then followed it up under a very good ride well positioned by kieran schumach to win the group one pre dispahan so she's fascinating as well it's an interesting pretty poly i must say i'm looking forward to watching it uh, lydia and do you have a a a tip for the weekend I do. I'm taking, as I said, I'm taking a little bit of a flyer. Yeah, I am. Okay, so I'm interested in the Northumberland place in a horse called Graphite. Um, on in terms of of pedigree, not obvious for going up for two miles, but I, I do think two miles on the all weather is slightly different from two miles on the turf. I thought he shaped really well on his seasonal debut at York. He's trained by Terry Kent, the former jump jockey. He's ridden here by Ray Dawson. He breaks from stall three. And so I'm going for graphite in the Northumberland plate. Um, and that is the 3.30 at Saturday, on Saturday at Newcastle. And currently he is trading, well, you can get 33 to one if you want. And obviously uh, some bookmakers are paying up to seven places, some up to six. So you might be able to get good place terms on the day. But uh, graphite for me in the Northumberland plate. Lydia, thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening. Clearly, it's going to be an important news weekend. I would imagine that we'll be getting some kind of announcement on uh, Frankie Dettori and John Gosden 
uh, today. And we will see you again on Monday. For now, bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.